hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends. Today I have another new friend that I've gotten to spend four whole days with here in my home in Springfield, Missouri. We are at the Blast Next Level live event and women have been sharing their stories and what they're passionate about uh, coaching on or writing about or speaking about. And when Teresa shared her story, just snippets of her story with us, over these past few days, I knew I wanted to have her on. So meet Teresa Jansen. She actually is a missionary in South Sudan who has flown over the United States to do some visiting of family and my guess is donors and things of that nature because I know that that's what a missionary's life consists of. I was a missionary for seven years as well. And so I was honored when she chose to take an extra week to spend this time with us. So in a previous episode, we talked with Suzanne Moore about her experience with um, not letting the past bleed into current or future relationships as a single woman. But Teresa's story today is really about not letting a past marriage bleed over into a current marriage. And I know that there are many of us who are on a subsequent marriage. I'm not even going to say a second marriage because I realize that there are many people that stop keeping count. And there's, there's no shame in that because sometimes you just Sometimes you make a wrong choice. Sometimes you choose out of insecurity or anxiety about the future or financial need. And that often winds up coming back to bite us on the butt. So shaking those relationships off and moving forward toward a healthier future is sometimes a necessary step in our growth as, uh, as individuals, as women, as Christians, if, if you ascribe to that paradigm. But uh, Teresa, tell us about... Well, how long have you been married in your current marriage? We just celebrated our 17th anniversary. Okay. And your previous marriage lasted how long? 14 years. Okay. And we had four children in that marriage. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so how many years in between that first and subsequent marriage? Four years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you had shared with me during our pitch time where we talked about what would we, what topic would we discuss on your show if we were to be a guest? You wrote an incredibly riveting little snippet of your personal testimony. So talk to us about your naivety that you yeah. started out life with. You know, I feel like I'm almost cliche in so many ways because I was this small town girl, church girl, youth group girl, you know, all of the stereotypical stuff, went to Bible college and at a very you know young age, I was 17 when I went to college, out of state and I met this older guy um, from the city rode a motorcycle had I didn't even know at the time he had been married and divorced and I didn't know that but he I wasn't over the marriage and divorce I was ooing over the fact that you didn't know it right (laughs) exactly that was not part of his approach when approaching me because he knew that I went to that Bible college down the road and he found me an interesting conquest And so that's how the pursuit began. And, um, you know, really, my upbringing in the church, I'm very grateful for. Let me start there. Sure. Okay. Right. But. But. but, How big is this but going to (laughs) be? We have some pretty big buts sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it didn't prepare me for, for men. 
in general for dating and definitely did not prepare me for the relationship that I would find myself in. Basically, I equated sex with marriage and marriage with sex. And when I, um, when I succumbed to all of those advances as a very young and experienced girl who my whole sex education was limited to explicit romance novels. Mm. Yeah, I was the one in school that read the novel first and dog-eared all the, the, the good parts. The steamy pages. <laughs> and then passed it on to the next girl. And that's how we learned what little we knew. And I don't recommend this as a curriculum, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> of course, it Buster fiction novels are not the best foundation to lay. So I'm sure that you came into that relationship with all these storylines in your head that you wanted to live out and experience exactly. in your inexperienced world. Exactly. It all seems so romantic in the motorcycle and the, you know, dark hair and the whatever that he knew so much and I knew so little. And then when it came down to, whoops, we did it, you know, now what? Well, in my mind, I was married. You had to make it right. That's two, it. Two wrongs would make it right. Exactly. I've had sex, so now I need to marry exactly. him and it'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. And if I had a dime for every woman who's going, oh, that's exactly what I did in hindsight, mm -hmm. we'd be pretty rich. Yeah, and you know, that was back in the day. And as much as, um, you know, I, I hope that girls don't end up in the situation I did, it's not quite as common today for girls mm -hmm. to feel like, oh, I did the deed, now I'm done. Right. You know, that's it. And uh, so that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, but in the, you know, I grew up in the church. And I know that intentionally the church didn't teach this. But my understanding of the theology at that time was that's it. I either married him or I married no one. Because you would be damaged goods that no one would want. Exactly. Yep. It's a one-time deal. That's it. You only have one virginity, right? And you should That's marry the person that you give your virginity to. Yeah, exactly. And isn't that interesting that it doesn't seem to go that way for guys? I don't know. But it doesn't. Even in the church, I don't think so. Right, right. Everyone yeah. expects that a man would come into marriage with some sexual experience under mm -hmm. his belt. Pun intended, but, but not for a woman. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, continue. So how did this journey, where did this journey take you? Yeah. So really funny, you know, when you're living it, it doesn't seem as completely ridiculous as it does when you look back with some experience, <laughs> you know, but I then found out not only had he been married, he was actually legally still married. Uh, he had non-divorced his wife. And so now, wow, but so he, he actually did propose, thankfully for me, but unfortunately, I already had seen signs at that time that this wasn't a healthy relationship. He started becoming more controlling, telling me what I had to wear, what I couldn't wear, more importantly, what I couldn't wear, where I couldn't go, who I couldn't see, and, um, and he needed to know where I was all the time. These are not... Good things. <laughs> and was there that isolation factor that Suzanne talked about last week? Yeah, eventually, especially in our marriage, during our marriage, that definitely was the case. I only could go to certain events, you know, and they were church events. That was fine. Um, but he was never very far away, mm. you know. And, uh, yeah, there was no going to a girlfriend's house or yeah. going out for coffee. Things like that didn't happen. And um, so those are definite red flags. 
But again, in my doctrine that I had uh, believed at the time, that was the role of the man, you know, is to guide and shape the household and to call the shots. Um, but, you know, what happened sexually, I was not prepared for anything that would happen. And frankly, I didn't know what even could happen. I knew your basics, you know? And uh, so when things started happening that I was like, what is, what, what, what's that, you know? Um, and there wasn't a time out, explain this to me. Right. You know, it was Help a, me understand what this represents to you. Right. <laughs> what it represents to me. And then yeah. Like, I'm going to do that or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you just felt so ill-equipped. Yeah. And, and things would actually happen. And I would go, what the heck was that? You know, I didn't know people did that, you know, and it was done. And I was just shocked, you know? And again, that's not a healthy And what was his attitude what was his attitude toward you in your naivety? Yeah, well actually I think he kind of enjoyed that. I mm. think he kind of enjoyed the schooling mm. aspect, except it wasn't educational, you know. Mm. Um, but the if I the more resistant I became, the more aggressive he became. Okay. And so the more I said, wait a minute, you know, the more he was like, um, we're moving forward. And it became, it became really quite, so, um, quite bad. So pursuing turned into assertiveness and it evolved into aggression. aggression. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And exactly. how did you handle that aggression, Teresa? Yeah. So I really just tried to block it out, you know, and just blank it out. And eventually that turned into, you know, a glass of wine before bed because, that would help take the edge off two or three, you know, or more. And, um, and that's just how I faced going to bed at night. So you developed a dependency on alcohol mm -hmm. in response to your anxiety about most sexual things yeah, that your exactly. husband didn't know how to invite you into, but rather was expecting you. Right. So you were, yeah. So you were being voluntold what to do exactly. in bed. Mm -hmm. okay. Exactly. Yeah. And again, back in my mindset, I'm the wife, which it's my job, right? No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, but that was where I was at the time. That was, yeah. That was your upbringing. Right, exactly. And it wasn't that anyone's intentional teaching to me. Mm -hmm. It maybe was um, a lack of teaching and the, my own something that I don't was, know that was the big picture of the dots that you had connected yeah in the way that it was the only paradigm you had exactly exactly okay, okay. yeah Continue. and um, so eventually someone it was actually someone in the church though who noticed that something wasn't right in our relationship and she found um, a quiet time in the back of the church kitchen. And I remember that day, we were actually in the pantry of the church kitchen. And she said, are you okay? Because something doesn't look right. Ooh. And you know, sometimes today I think about um, looking around the church and do we sometimes see something that doesn't look quite right? But we're, we don't want to get involved. Mm. We don't want to ask. But that woman being brave enough to find a quiet, safe spot in the back of the church pantry to ask me if everything was okay. And I don't even know where I found my voice that day, but somehow, somehow 
it was a miracle that I told her it's not all right. Things aren't all right. And um, so then it was it was the church who actually arranged to to really take me in and help me get out of that situation. And that was a long process. But I love hearing positive stories yeah. about the role that churches can play. Exactly. What a beautiful picture. I can totally envision that woman and how her heart was probably aching for you and her yeah. red flags going off before she ever finally spoke up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be that kind of woman exactly. in the church. <laughs> be that kind of friend. Be that kind of sister. Yeah. And so it really gives me hope that the, that the church can play a positive role. Sure. And uh, and that's the role I want to play. And so if, you hadn't, if you hadn't been involved in the church, who would have seen this? Who right. would have recognized it? So church is probably one of the few places that he didn't control or keep you in isolation. Is that a correct assessment? Right. We were always there because that's where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But I think he really pretty trusted that I wouldn't break confidence. And I don't know why I did that day, but I did. So how did things evolve from there? Yeah, so we did, um, we went through a separation. We tried to, um, uh, we tried to reconcile at one point in time. And, you know, again, this, I still had messed up theology. Mm-hmm. And eventually he had an affair with a younger woman. And, um, and instead of me being devastated, mm-hmm. I said, so looking through the pages, where is the legal out? You where know, you, where's my free jump ship pass? Yeah. And you know what? Isn't that sad? It's sad. It's sad because I know that God did not design me for that and did not design marriage for that. Right. And divorce, uh, staying married doesn't mean a marriage isn't broken. And, uh, and, being divorced isn't the unforgivable sin. Yes. Either. Yes. And I love how Leslie Burnick's books, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, The Emotionally Destructive Relationship, has really kind of moved us beyond that mentality of, but adultery is the only valid reason for divorce. No, abuse is a very valid reason for divorce. And so what kind of anxieties did you have about leaving marriage and entering into a season of singlehood where you basically had to start over like it is it is the most leveling experience in yeah. a person's life to go through either the death of a spouse or a divorce from a spouse because your identity has been so tied up in connection with that person right so how did you cope with that next season yeah it was very difficult because all of a sudden I'm a single parent I am unemployed we owned our own business and um, so I have no job I have no income I have four children and so um, I moved home to my mother's basement and, uh, and back to that small church where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, and you know what? The church had grown up a little bit too mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or maybe it was my perception of the church or my understanding of the church. I'm, I don't know. But either way, we had all kind of <laughs> matured along this journey. But I was still figuring things out, and um, you know, it was uh, getting my first job, and it happened to be a job in ministry, which I did not think was possible. I thought I had was completely disqualified from ever serving in ministry, and I know that none of the story sounds like a story that leads to someone becoming a missionary. 
but and I know you have a very um, wide audience of people, mm -hmm. but this is my story of and my understanding of God's grace in my life as it's been demonstrated. So do I remember correctly that someone approached you with this ministry position yeah. and suggested that you would be a good fit for it, and you were surprised. Yeah, exactly. I had actually applied for a job as a church secretary in the little church where we were attending, and um, they, the pastor called me, and he said, well, we've decided to keep the tent that we've had, and uh, but I, I think I know a position that's better for you. And I just remember holding that phone and saying in my mind, what could be better? Because this was the only thing that was possible. Mm. You know, I didn't see anything else even being possible because I'm just destroyed. Oh. And um, and he, he said, you would be completely bored as a church secretary, but I have a, a leadership position in a small nonprofit that's looking for an executive director. And I thought, fine, send my name. I really was like, this is not going to go anywhere. I didn't think it was possible. And um, so I had to tell my story to a board of directors of that nonprofit of how I was divorced, you know, and then I had to wait while that group of six people decided whether or not I was qualified. Wow. Yeah. Anxiety producing, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So that certainly rocks your personal confidence. We had also talked about how when you were entertaining the idea of a new relationship yeah. and a whole different marriage, how do you keep from dragging so much of those triggers and the, that emotional baggage and that low self-esteem and those anxieties? How do you keep from dragging that into the new marriage? Yeah. I assume that you have mastered that since, <laughs> since you're so well, married after all these years. Yeah, and it and I don't know if mastered, but I, I think we've gotten pretty good. <laughs> we're, we're pretty darn good. I don't know. So but, where, you know, never yeah. before had you had an opportunity to really build your sexual confidence. Right. Because it sounds like in that first marriage, kind of chewed you up and spit you out and left you really traumatized. Yeah. Did you have anxieties going into a new sexual relationship? Yeah, I really did. And what I learned is that it, it really came down to trust and um and i did have triggers though and you know what i still have a few triggers that um i can't stand being anything on my neck mm -hmm. you know and so um my husband knows that mm -hmm. and uh and he's okay with that you know i don't know if it'll always be that way or not yeah. but a certain touch can be a trigger um words can be a trigger and you know i don't know uh, anyone out there who's been divorced and remarried who hasn't had the trigger of being in the midst of could be an argument could be sex mm -hmm. and saying the wrong name oh my goodness <laughs> yeah that's an awkward moment it is an awkward moment it's a it's it, it's not good either way you know whether it's in an argument and calling a previous spouse's name or if it's in the throes of passion right either way it's difficult but you know what is so important is that we smear a little bit of grace on that um you know what i was married to a person for 14 years and i was calling that name for 14 years right whether in rage or in passion that was the name right i made the mistake of marrying someone with a similar name oh <laughs> so don't do that <laughs> <laughs> different but close <laughs> 
So um, having to catch yourself yeah. in those moments. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, my husband's done it too because both of us have been remarried. Mm -hmm. And do you know that 29% of all marriages today, at least one partner, has been married previously as a subsequent marriage? That does not surprise me at all. And mm -hmm. a lot of the fact that 50% of people will experience a divorce in their lifetime. Right. Okay, so that yeah. explains that a lot of people just choose to never remarry. Yeah, although um, older people, I don't know how to use that word because it's defined as people over the age of 50. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound older to me. <laughs> However, um, do tend to remarry more so than the younger people, and 50% of people who do get divorced will remarry within five years. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I've also heard, just on a different note, that if a person was relatively happy in marriage, that if they are widowed, they are far more likely to get remarried. So there are subsequent marriages for other reasons besides yes. divorce. And I would imagine that accidentally calling someone by the wrong name, especially after being widowed, uh, it's going to be a natural accident. Yeah, so can we just agree to have some grace with people? Because... You know, this has been a big chunk of someone's life. Sure. It's and, sometimes we yeah. say the wrong word. Oh. So, of course, oh, saying the wrong name. Yeah, I call my children by the wrong name all the time, <laughs> you know? And, and they get annoyed by it, but, sure. you know. Uh, yeah, so I think that that is one that, that's the easy give, if we can give people a little bit of grace in that one. Mm -hmm. um, but, and yeah. going back to some of those emotional triggers, where perhaps if your husband touched you on your neck mm -hmm. uh, or did something sexually that just reminded you of a previous unpleasant experience with your former husband. Did you choose to communicate that about or to communicate about that in the moment? Did you wait until later? How did you handle those? Yeah, you know what I in the moment is just a you know please don't do that. You know, and then later you can say, you know, when you did that it kind of reminded me of this experience I had before. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Or maybe even a better approach would be just take his hands and put him somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Touch me here. Guide him. Direct him. To something positive. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but I have frequently heard that the best time to discuss a problem in your sex life is not in, in the moment <laughs> if you can help it. Right. <laughs> that doing that outside of the bedroom is usually a much more productive conversation than in that Right. the moment. So uh, what other ways did you recognize that perhaps the old was impacting the new? Yeah, those, and let me just reiterate how important those conversations are to have. Um, because my husband knows my story, and he's, he had to hear my story. Right. And, um, and some of it doesn't bother me anymore. But I think the really important thing is to recognize that my husband is not that person. He's not my former spouse. It's not my past relationship. And, um, he and wants, his, his intention in touching you certain ways right. may be very different than very your former different. husband's intention. Exactly. And it's all about the intention behind it, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, when you're in that, when you're in that first relationship, when you're learning everything new, um, you, you can have that experience again now with a new person. And mm -hmm. so, I, and you have to find a little bit of adventure. And we're going to learn this new a new way together. Right. And um, I'm so glad know. that you said that because one of my concerns is always, you know, like when a woman says, "Well, I'm never going to do that in a relationship because when my husband would do that before, it was always painful." It's like, 
Yeah, but to make that kind of declaration is really not fair because it may not be painful in this relationship right. the way that it was in the previous relationship. So is swearing off of absolutes a, yeah. a good thing to do? The word never is never a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. yeah, and um, I don't think absolutes are, are good. I think remaining open to possibilities and um, having a lot of grace with yourself mm -hmm. to understand that um, we're complicated people. And you know what? There's a reason why sex is mm -hmm. completely tied up in the physical, the emotional, and for many people, the spiritual. Um, and it touches all of those parts of your brain and your body and your and everything is involved in that. And um, so, yeah, triggers can happen that are good or bad. Sure. And um, and I think that we just have to know that we are complicated human beings and to be okay with that mm -hmm. and to be okay with, with both people. You know, my husband has things that he had to tell me. Right. I know? was just about to go there. Yeah. It works in reverse too. Absolutely. So he had to tell me things that would trigger him. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they're very different than things that trigger me. And most of them weren't bedroom things. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, he had a different experience. But recognizing that we've all had an experience that is going to flavor our present. Mm -hmm. But then, once we can recognize that and open the possibility of what the future will hold, that's when um, freedom really uh, comes to the relationship. And again, the, the relationship has to be built on trust, mm -hmm. and sex has to be built on trust. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever happens behind those doors, and it, whatever, you know, and now I know all sorts of things can happen behind those doors. Exactly. <laughs> you know? and, and it doesn't always have to feel like a threat to us. Right. It can actually feel like an adventurous sure. invitation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's more so when you can have that conversation, you know, whatever that is, you know, what, what you think about trying a little something, you right? Know? And, um, but knowing that we're in this together and we're building something together and it's not about me and it's not about you, it's about us. us. Yeah. And that's a totally different entity yeah. than what you had before right. with a different person. Yeah. I definitely think that a human being can show up very differently in the sexual relationship regardless of what they've experienced in their past, whether yeah. they've been sexually abused in the past or had uh, just a very painful experience with a former marriage that doesn't your past does not dictate or determine your present or your future. And so showing up differently and encouraging your mate to show up differently if that's what you need. Uh, and the example that comes to my mind is there was one woman who sent me an email in response to an episode that we did about, I think it was called 10 Tips to Blow His Mind. And it was about performing oral sex. And she was just absolutely adamant that she would never do that again in her life because she had felt so degraded and humiliated and she associated it with pain because her husband was too forceful with her in that act but then a few months later she got remarried and she said i am shocked at how listening to that episode really helped me open my mind to the possibility that it wouldn't have to be that way if i'm just intentional about about communicating to him don't put your hand on the back of my head don't force anything let me have total control of this and we let's see if we can both enjoy it and do you think that he minded that instruction i would guess that he appreciated knowing that yeah. that, that that would be an emotional trigger for her so 
maybe you already know what would be triggering for you. To be able to discuss that before it ever happens would probably be the most ideal scenario, but sometimes we just we don't see the emotional triggers coming down the right. pipe until they are already boom, right, right there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think just knowing that triggers are normal too, yes. and it's a biological response oftentimes to something that has happened before, and they're not all negative either. Right. You know, and just having some, I think, um, grace with people, with yes. each other, and figuring it out and calling that an adventure. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. One of the things that we do in Women at the Well workshops is we have a stuffed animal in the middle of the room so that as other people are sharing, if someone feels emotionally triggered by something that someone else said, they can grab the elephant in the room and just hold on to it until we come back around to that person to say, what were you feeling in that moment? And what I teach them is that emotional triggers are not a bad thing that when things come up for you emotionally, that is a sign that you're mature enough to handle it now. Because historically, we have learned to repress emotional feelings and ignore them and then wonder why we get so paralyzed and frustrated and anxious in relationships. But when the emotional trigger comes to the surface, that is an invitation for you to look at it closely and examine it and dissect it, do an autopsy of it, for lack of a better expression, and understand it and then, like you said, opening up lines of communication and processing it with your mate, that is a beautiful thing because intimacy can best be understood by breaking it down into syllables. Into me see. It's not always going to be the Hollywood steamy scene of uh, it, it being seamless from, from first kiss and foreplay and arousal all the way through to mutual orgasm. Like, it rarely ever happens that way. It is definitely an ebb and a flow of positive usually, but sometimes negative energy and to just, like you said, make room and make grace for both of those extremes to coexist. Charlie and I talk about how joy and grief can coexist simultaneously. I would venture to say that positive energy and negative energy can also coexist within a sexual experience and just being honest with yourself and processing those feelings and letting your mate in on it so that they'll know as well. Do you have any other words of wisdom that you would like to impart to our audience before we wrap up, Teresa? Oh, I'm just so um, excited for people to uh, have a wonderful experience with their, their spouse in a, in a new way and just know that, um, you know, there's always hope for the future and not to be frustrated by the past, but to, to learn from it and, uh, and then, you know, know that we all have a past mm -hmm. and it doesn't define our future. And you know what? I'm not that same person that I was before. It's it's almost like I'm a, it's a different person and that's okay. That's the beauty of middle age, I think. Oh, yeah. So, that we look back at that 30-year-old girl or even that 40-year-old girl and we go, wow, we're not that girl anymore. Yeah. And we learn to blossom. Yeah, and when you can walk in that subsequent relationship for a few years, then um, you are growing together now as new people and the people that you were before in those previous relationships, that does begin to fade after a while and those triggers are less and less mm -hmm. and uh, as you have the shared experience together. Yes, kind of like time does heal most wounds. Most Not wounds. all of them, but <laughs> right. if you give time a chance, you can certainly uh, 
feel new feelings and develop new levels of confidence. And that's what we wanted this conversation to do is to remind all of those of you in subsequent marriages, or maybe you might find yourself in a subsequent marriage someday, that if emotional triggers come up for you, if things from the past try to come back to haunt you, you don't have to let it totally destroy your confidence. Know that it's normal. Give yourself some grace. Be open with your mate and cultivate a new relationship in this new era of your life. Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. If you would like to chime in on the conversation, just dial 32130-ON-TAP and leave us a voice message. If you would prefer to have your voice distorted, we have the power to do that. Or if you would rather just email us at ONTAP at shannonetheridge.com, then I would love to hear your comments and your feedback and your suggestions for other topics that you would like for us to cover here on Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And so we love you for listening and we thank you for tapping on us.